0: It is the 200 level episode 78. We're going to call this one the shirtless chef. That is Harry Black's nickname or I guess his Instagram personality that he's cultivating right now. We had the fortunate pleasure of speaking with Harry Black for about God, an hour, 15 minutes. And I will let you know right off the bat that this is not really a sports podcast when it comes to Harry and I's conversation. We get into it. Of course, we can't help it, but it's much more just a conversation between two friends in the middle of a pandemic and everything that's going on and everything that we're thinking and feeling during this time. Had a lot of fun talking with Harry, and he is one of the most bright individuals. I guess that would be brightest individuals that I've had the pleasure of knowing. And the conversation is wide-ranging as always. And really, if I were to give you sort of a context as to what kind of conversation this was... It was very similar to the kinds of conversations we would have back in 93.5 off the air. So I would pop into Harry's office, let's say like 2.30, 3 o'clock, or he'd pop into mine. Same with Trevor, and these are the kinds of conversations that we would have. Sometimes Austin would be in there. Sometimes Lon would actually get there in time to join a conversation like this, but this is very free-flowing as much of this podcast is, but I think you'll enjoy it. And the reason I think you'll enjoy it is because after, I think, was it just a week ago that we reunited with Harry and Trevor? Maybe it was two weeks ago. I've lost all sense of time in the last month. But I got a lot of good feedback about when Harry and Trevor had joined the show for, we did it via Skype in that case, and the conversational nature of it. Because In this time where it is more and more difficult to carry on these conversations, and yes, we have the benefit of Zoom and Skype and Google Meet or Hangouts, whichever, but in this time where it is much more difficult to just have that kind of conversation, uh, as a podcast, I think it is one thing that we can offer is just the sound of people talking. And fortunately, Harry and I and Trevor, when we get some technological issues figured out, we'll be able to provide that on basically a weekly basis. So here's the plan. Beginning next Monday, well, let me take it back 24 hours before next Monday. Next Sunday is the premiere of The Last Dance. So that's Sunday night. This Sunday coming up, we're very close to it. The Last Dance is going to be a 10-part documentary series, two parts per night over the next five Sundays. So what we'll do for each Monday after that, the day after, Monday mornings, Harry, Trevor, and I will hop on here. We'll talk about that documentary, any other thing going on in sports, and whatever other topics we veer into, which naturally we will. That's just sort of our nature. And we will try to keep things very sports-centric, as sports-centric as we can. But at the same time, we are still two, in this case, me and Harry, or three, when we bring uh, Trevor into the fold, three dudes just talking. So that is the balance that we're trying to strike. And what Harry and I do talk about is how... You know, our interest in sports at this moment is selective. And here's what I mean by that. On one hand, you have Illinois football securing commitments from a FCS All-American offensive lineman. So by any measure, a pretty good pickup and a much needed one in the offensive line. And then you get a wide receiver transfer that adds a little bit of depth. That does nothing for me. Okay, and I understand it's better news than no news. You know, they're actually bringing guys in. But when I say selective interest in different sports, especially this day and age, when there are not live sports to watch, Illinois football is not doing it for me. Now, what is doing it for me is just the mere idea, the thought of Io coming back to Illinois for his junior year. That alone is something that I'm looking forward to, right? Just the prospect of it. And that is sort of the contrast right there. It depends on the sport and the team, the level of interest that I can put into it as I sit here knowing that there's not going to be live sports for a while, that the majority of what we're going to be talking about for the next few months is when sports get going again, not what's going on right now. There's no doubt that when I started this podcast, I thought, man, summers will be interesting. What will we talk about in the summer? Because I'm not much into recruiting basketball recruiting more so because there's only a few names that you got to get to know football recruiting it's too daunting and it isn't that good in the first place 14th out of 14 the big 10 to be exact but that was looming I knew that that was going to be something that, as a podcast, we'd have to deal with in terms of programming. We would have to figure out what exactly are we going to talk about. Now, fortunately, now that I got the rig where we can do interviews and dialogues with people, that makes things so much easier because we will have a rotating group of guests. They'll be old friends. I'll try to introduce some new people to the mix that maybe we haven't talked to on 93.5 and certainly not talked to here in the 200 level But that was going to be a concern. It just happened to get accelerated by about, well, at least a month. Because I figured April was going to be okay because we'd be post-NCAA tournament as long as Illinois made it. Recruiting uh, the spring period would be in full swing. And we would have, of course, the Io DeSumo going to the NBA to talk about, in this case, maybe Kofi as well. April was going to be fine. And we're midway through April and we're doing okay even without sports. But that is the dilemma, I guess, is how do we keep this sports podcast sportsy? And I mentioned right there that it really depends on my interest. I can't come on here and blow smoke and pretend to get all that excited about these pickups for Lovey Smith and company, but I can easily come on here and say, man, if I ought came back. And that is something that over the course of the next few weeks, I think will come into clear view. The reason I bring this up in the first place is there seems to be this sort of growing smoke behind the idea that Io and then maybe by extension Kofi would both come back to next year's team. Beginning with Io and thinking about the signs that would lead to him maybe coming back, or at the very least considering it. Let's start with that from a a human perspective, not even just an athlete, because Io certainly is that and a tremendous athlete, one that will be playing in the league for a long time. I have no doubt about that. But think about a 20-year-old kid from Chicago, just finished his sophomore year at the University of Illinois, knowing that the NBA draft will probably be postponed. I think August is the new tentative date that they would like to hold that. The uncertainty with that alone and the fact that you don't have combines or workouts, you won't be able to show any more of yourself than you already did on tape. And that, as you sit here right now, mid to late second round, and sometimes not even on a draft board at all. Now, we could look at draft boards and say we put as much stock in them as we would recruiting rankings. And there is some truth to that. But any movement that one would hope to make on a draft board, whether it be Joe Schmo from his basement in Jersey somewhere, or whether it be an actual scout, any movement that you would hope to make After the NCAA tournament, that's all gone. And the NCAA tournament was taken away from Iowa as well. That was a stage that was set for him to do big things and really solidify that, yeah, he's not the best shooter in the world. He is a bit of an undersized shooting guard, but he's got the it factor that will give him a long career in the NBA. All those things are taken off the table, mixed in with the uncertainty, the instability, not knowing when the season would even get going, not knowing when the draft would be. That's a lot of uncertainty. And it's not to say that college basketball has that much more certainty going for it. I think the timeline, fortunately for college basketball, bodes pretty well. And even if that means that you don't play in front of crowds when you resume in November, you should be okay, right? And I say that, of course, we don't know how things are going to go. There could be a second wave of COVID-19, all that fun stuff. But this is a dead period. And I wouldn't really have to worry about any of that stuff until he came back to campus, assuming you know, athletes will come back to campus. Isn't that the fun part? All these sort of qualifiers, like, well, if the season happens, And on one hand, I hate to do that. On the other, it's just kind of a reality of it. But that it would make more sense now, given the circumstances for him to come back. And the risk for him, or anybody that is a projected mid to late second round pick, maybe even going undrafted, would be that if you don't get drafted, then what do you do? Play overseas, I guess. Well, you're looking at international travel being a little bit unsteady until we're on the other side of this COVID-19 thing, which people say will be after the vaccine comes out, which would be probably early next year, in the spring, something like that. That timeline meshes with Io coming back, having another go around as a junior, and really solidifying his MBA stock. Also, you look at the Big Ten with all the guys leaving, transfers out of programs, And it's right there for Illinois to come back and win a Big Ten title next year. Even without Alan Griffin, which I really, really wish that Alan Griffin were going to be on this team. But if you tell me Io and then by extension Kofi were to come back, that's a Big Ten favorite in a lot of preseason magazines. And understandably so. I know that I would enter the season with expectations that this should be a top two or three team in the league. And if things bounce your way, you can win a Big Ten title. Which they were a game away from doing this year. So there is a growing sense that maybe there is a last hurrah in here. And COVID-19 giveth, COVID-19 taketh away. And I do want to differentiate the fact that, yes, this is life or death. People are dying out there, 20,000 plus already in America, which is a staggering number for something that a month ago, I think it killed um, three people. I mean, we're talking single digits back on like March 12th. But it is something... Interesting to consider that the COVID-19 pandemic took away our chance to go to the NCAA tournament, but it may actually open the door for Illinois to have more sustained success by bringing a guy like Io back into the fold. Kofi is an interesting case because for him to announce before Io, it seems presumptive on his part. One, that he would be drafted in the first place because you were not seeing him on draft boards. And I know he's not a prototypical center for the NBA right now. That certainly doesn't help. He's got the size. He's got the skill that he will be playing pro ball for the rest of his life. But just like Io, if you don't get drafted this go-round, what are you going to do? Play overseas? Maybe. Maybe that works out. But the uncertainty with that, the instability, just makes that a very precarious position for any young athlete to take. So it does seem to be trending towards, well, why not? You know, we don't know when we're going to be out of this thing. You know that if you came back, you'd be favorites to win the Big Ten. In a conference where there's a lot of attrition going on, you'd be the favorites. And that would improve your stock that much more. Now, I say this all wearing the fan-colored glasses and not having money on the table like these guys would, even if they were a late second-round pick. There is some certainty involved with that. And again, we don't know the NBA timeline. We don't know the NCAA basketball timeline. We don't know how many universities and colleges will be opening up in the fall. And if they don't open up for classes, can you have athletics there? I don't know. That will all have to be sorted out. And I could play the speculation game with that, but my head starts kind of twisting in and around itself. And that's not a whole lot of fun to do. But that is giving me a little sliver of hope. You know, and I don't know how far that goes. I don't know the shelf life of that knowing that these games wouldn't even start until November in the first place. We're talking seven months away. And yet just the idea that they could come back for another go-around is enough to give me that wide-at-the-end-of-the-tunnel feeling. There's two things that are very similar for me, uh, which would be sporting events and concerts. And one example would be a Smashing Pumpkins show that we were going to go to this month, I think April 26th or something like that. Of course it got postponed, but they gave a rescheduled date in October, which may or may not happen. But the fact that they even have the date gives me something to look forward to, even though that is six months from now. And that's important in a time like this, to look forward to something. Sports, the only things we can look forward to are the games that are going to be played later on, however far down the road that may be. Same thing goes for baseball however bastardized of a season it may be, I know that this Yankees team could win a World Series. And I'll take a World Series even in a shortened season, even in one where they only play in Florida and Arizona, or as has been thrown around today, I think Tim Kirchin or Ken Rosenthal, one of the two, talked about Japan as an option. Well, I don't know about the logistics behind that, shipping 30 teams and personnel all the way over to Japan to play a season over there, but clearly they want to get a season in and if they can do so safely as a sports fan, far from me to say, don't do that, guys. Don't do that. That's where the selfishness comes in a little bit, but it is still enough, and it's an olive branch that says, yes, you can look forward to sports again. It will happen, and we know it will. It's a question of when, not if. But those are the two things for me that are keeping me holding on, right? Illinois basketball, Yankees baseball, Illinois football. I was disinterested and disengaged from that from really the Northwestern game forward, The Northwestern game planted the seed in my mind that the four-game win streak was a mirage of sorts, and the Red Box Bowl did nothing to dissuade me from that. And you could certainly call that a cynical point of view. I would not dispute that. But I think given the way the season ended, coupled with the total lack of momentum recruiting, I can't get on board with that. And I I don't think I would have even if there wasn't a pandemic. I would have been taking a wait-and-see approach for games in, what, August 31st, September 1st, whenever they are supposed to start. And then you see someone like Mike Gundy from Oklahoma State come out and have one of the most asinine press conferences I've ever seen where essentially he just says, well, for the economy of Oklahoma, we need to get this going again, as if that's of greatest import. Clearly, it's not. But without being too harsh to him, we all want it back. So I do understand it to an extent. Can we stay closed down forever? No. But I'm not a health expert, so I can't exactly say or predict when things are gradually going to roll back into normalcy i can't wait for that and for me i've sort of moved that measuring stick or yardstick from going to a concert or going to a sporting event to simply being able to have like a cookout outside with friends or with family and even if we have to sit six feet away from each other being able to do that without even thinking about uh does anyone here have covid19 you know because that's going to be kind of the lingering cloud over all of this when it's said and done Give me that first, and then I can worry about going to these mass gatherings or games or sporting events. But from a TV fan's perspective, someone that could sit on my couch and watch this unfold in the comfort of my living room for selfish reasons, hell yeah, give me that. One thing I've been doing to sort of fill that void is playing sports video games. Now, for me, the best console I have in working order right now, because my PS3 crapped out. Yes, PS3 is my N64. That's right. N64 is my primary console. And in the midst of this pandemic, what I've done is gone on Amazon and they have all used games. You name it, they got the game. Some of them more expensive than others. So, for example, Mario or Mario Kart at a higher demand. So you might have to pay 50 bucks for a copy of that. But for Fox Sports College Hoops 1999, 99 cents. Now... The game sort of plays like a 99 cent game, but it's something. And it's got Illinois on it, and it has White Corey Bradford, some kid named Bruback, six foot two, small or shooting guard who has a great stroke from three point range. Apparently, they got a Frank Williams. They didn't know that he was going to be sitting out that year because the prop 48 or whatever it was. And he is your starting point guard. His name's Risley. He's your best player. You also got a kid named Bullock, who's double zero. I guess Victor Chukadebe, who is a starting small forward and your most all-around player. Now, I remember Victor Chukadebe, but I don't remember him being much more than a role player. Maybe I need to go back and check the stats. And then they got, I think, freshman Lucas Johnson, freshman Sergio McLean. They got a very interesting collection of guys from the team that would have went to the Big Ten Tournament and took it all the way to Sunday. That was the 3-13 and team. They're decent on this game. I got a season going. I'm 4-1. and Again, living vicariously through my video games to get my sports fix. Maybe it's a little pathetic, but whatever. Another one I just got last week was MVP Baseball 2001, and that has Derek Jeter on the cover, and of course the Yankees are loaded. And I've been playing that game. Even on the hardest level, you see where the pitch is going to be. So you just tee off. And on average, I'm getting about 25 hits a game and 12 runs a game. And I'm pitching complete game shutouts, no matter who I put on the mound. El Duque, Orlando Hernandez, Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, David Cohn, doesn't matter. I'm winning these games like 12 to 1, which is fun. But there is, of course, a shelf life for that. But again, it's just this sort of olive branch out there to say it will be back, even in the form of an N64 game from 20 years ago. It is a, yes, sports will return. And that gives me a bit of a warm and fuzzy feeling in a time when we need that. Now, when I talk to Harry Black here, you will notice that we don't do a lot of sports talk. We get to it about an hour in. But this is a time where finding that sports talk in the midst of everything else going on can be difficult. Even for someone like Harry, who's working at ESPN, uncertain times for even a sports media conglomerate like ESPN. It's uncertain times for most people. And I know that I mentioned this last week on a podcast and I think it bears repeating and we're starting to see more people, including Grant Wall, the soccer writer for Sports Illustrated, been there for 20 years, fired, you know, and that's just one of many recognizable names that are starting to find their roles reduced or just done away with. And media is going to take a hit. Every field is going to take a hit. Something that really, really blew my mind today was a statistic that... 52% I think I got this right 52% of adults 25 to 42 in the workforce so millennials in the workforce 52% of them have either lost their job seen their hours reduced seen their salary cut or been furloughed over 50% of millennials in the workforce now we can say those millennials and I begrudgingly am one of them though I do think generations seem to have this sort of battle where if you aren't in my generation you're the problem right so millennials could look at baby boomers and say you're the problem or millennials someday will probably be looking what generation z and saying Oh, you guys are so lazy you're the problem i'm sure that will come down the pike but when i saw that it was just a reminder of how precarious everything is right now in terms of jobs and job security and as a teacher who does this on the side I'm fortunate enough at the moment to have that job security. It is not a good situation for anybody. I mean, I, I notice that my mood is ever changing, that I'm a lot more on edge, that I'm a lot more sometimes emotional. I mean, we watched Steel Magnolias last night as I talked to Harry about, and there was a moment in that that got me emotional. And you could say, "Carp, that's a chick flick, whatever. Hey, listen, there's parts of that that connected with me, especially in the midst of this ridiculous circumstance that we're all facing right now. Uh, but with all that said, I don't need to also worry about job security. So I am incredibly lucky in that regard to be sitting here right now and say, well, I got that. And to think that within the last, what, three weeks, 17 million about unemployment and knowing that number is going to continue to go up. It's scary. It's scary. I think 40% unemployment is a number that some people have thrown out when all said and done, which is Unbelievable. When you look at, again, the numbers that I saw this morning, 52% of millennials, 25 to 42, have either lost their job, furloughed, hours cut, or salary cut. A few of my friends, same thing. They've taken a salary cut, and they'll do it for now. Sports media is one of those jobs, and really media in general, where for whatever reason, the roles that are played are if you come in as a reporter or a host, a media personality, right? doesn't really matter what you are treated as if you owe the station that hired you. They're doing you a favor. Granted, the compensation doesn't seem to reflect that. <laughs> you know, Entry-level positions, especially in media, are a pittance compared to what a lot of other jobs make. So you go into it for the best intentions and just hope that you can find your way into some stability, into a better well-paying position that you also enjoy. So it is sad to be in this situation and feel nervous for others. I don't like that feeling. I would hate it that much more if it was me in that position, but knowing enough people in that position, it it ain't fun. So I'm thinking about them right now. Uh, On the wider side of things, before we get to Harry, there was an article in the News Gazette featuring Lante and... I have not read it in full, but I think it's well-deserved for someone that, you know, this time more than any, and I think Juan said something to this effect in the article, his goofiness is his strength, and right now we need some goofiness, and that is one thing that I can't match. I can't match his goofiness. I can't match his humor or lightheartedness. If I get down about something, I come on here and talk about it, for better or worse, and some people might think that I'm a sad bastard. Well, for the most part, I'm not, but... If I do feel down, I'll probably talk about it. Lon, when that microphone is switched on, he just flips a switch of his own and he's good to go. No matter what is going on in his personal life, right? He knows how to conjure up that positivity the minute that he steps in the air. And even if it is a rant or something, like he's pissed off about Illini football, which he has been before, it's still cathartic in a way because he has such a gregarious and boundless energy about it. That there's this weird kind of positivity, even when he's negative. He never drew the same ire that I would, even if he was effectively saying the same thing. He never drew the same ire, and I understand why. Because his tone and his delivery is just of a jolly guy, which is what he is. It's not a performance. So when I say that he flips that switch on, I don't mean that, oh, he just becomes a performer, right? That he's faking any any of it. He is just able to draw from that well, positivity and goofiness and humor better than anyone I've ever met. And I do envy that in a lot of respects. So what I try to do, or what I need to make a note of, when I saw that Juan was able to get an article in, in the News Gazette from Matt Daniels, I was thinking, you know, for a podcast like this, certainly I want it to be timely and topical. And I want it to be a an avenue to come on here and talk directly and honestly to whoever cares to listen. But at the same time, It is also, hopefully, entertainment, and in that regard, it is something that I'm going to try to be cognizant of going forward. You'll you'll notice this conversation with Harry and I, it's honest, there are moments of, not despair, despair is a big word, but certainly sadness, uncertainty, you're going to hear all that, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm happy for you to hear it, and hopefully it's still compelling in some way. But as we go forward, it will be a little bit of recalibration on my part. How do we keep this thing focused, steady on sports, and keep that positivity going? Because that is something that even if it's just a tiny bit, twice a week during this whole thing, I hope to give you at least a little bit of a respite from maybe some of the heavier things that we have to just deal with in this new reality. All right, before we get to Harry Black, and the reason this is called, again, the Shirtless Chef is because Harry is on Instagram at shirtlesschef.hb. Okay, go ahead and follow it because he makes some really cool recipes. Of course, he has a signature Harry Black sense of humor all through that Instagram account. Highly recommend it. And you will hear good old-fashioned Harry Blackisms throughout this entire interview. You'll enjoy it. Harry, myself, and Trevor will be meeting, I believe, on Monday mornings after The Last Dance to do a sort of recap of the previous night's episodes and talk about whatever else is going on in sports. Uh, the 200 Level, of course, is brought to you by DP Dough. I'm on at dpdough.com. For all the best deals and prices, they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So you don't need to leave the house to get a delicious calzone, whether it's custom with your favorite toppings or a favorite like the Maui Wowie or Buffer Zone. dpdough.com. Also, 4th & Kirby, I'm on at 4thandkirby.com. Coupon code 200LEVEL or the 200LEVEL, 10% off your order. And I know it's not a very warm week. Hopefully the last cool week that we have. We're getting a t-shirt weather, and you need some cool alumni t-shirts, sports will return. And even before they do, great swag at fourth And state former agent Brian Hansen online at BrianismyGuy.com. Not only experts in the insurance field, and Brian and his team certainly are that, but they are local products, so they have local interest at heart. Life Auto Home Business Renters, you name it, they got you covered. Brian is my guy. Dot com. Also, Lana Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network on Twitter at 217 Showers. Without further ado, it's time to welcome on our old friend, Harry Black, no Trevor Valise. We are sans Trevor at the moment. I guess, Harry, he's got a little bit of tech, technological issues going on.
1: Yeah, there's, there's no real easy way to say it. The, uh, the, the technology has betrayed us at this moment. Skype was an absolute no-go, and now Zoom, we're trying to get going. And it works okay for me, but Trevor, I think is, he usually has a little bit more connectivity issues anyway with his wifi out in the middle of the cornfields. So he's, he's naturally just having a little bit more trouble. But if everything goes according to plan, he should be with us in a few minutes.
0: Yeah. He's a technologically savvy guy. So I think he'll figure it out. And I figured out we had an issue before and we didn't record. Well, I was recording it to get levels, but I'm not keeping it because this is a family friendly podcast. And, uh, <laughs> Certain, <laughs> certain choice words for audacity. So here's what happened. I had Steve Greenberg on last Thursday, and to record this, there was this program named Audacity. It's like the bare bones, all you need to record, nothing fancy. And Zoom, unbeknownst to me, automatically adjust microphone levels. So what was happening, the entire 45-minute interview with Steve Greenberg, I would be talking and at the same time clicking to return the microphone volume to where I needed it. And it was kind of frazzling me. So me and you were talking just to test it, and it's just a total disaster. I'm dropping F bombs. Uh, we, we got a dog. We got a dog upstairs who is under the weather from vaccines. So anytime you try to pick her up, she yelps. It's cloudy. It's cold. There's a pandemic going on. It's a bunch of crap, Harry. That's what I gotta. Yeah, my,
1: br- my brother woke up in the middle of the night last night and, uh, to tornado alarms. Now it, it's just, it, he lives where he well he lives in new york but he uh he's right now he's he's quarantining with a couple of his friends on and believe this an island in north carolina like no off point. the coast of north carolina yeah it's bizarre so
0: what was the impetus of that was there a trip that they took and then the stay-at-home order started when they were on the trip or
1: no they uh they they could tell that the the, the stay-at-home orders were coming and they decided to get out of new york before they Closed. I think what my brother's exact words were: they, he didn't want to be in the city when they closed down the bridges. So hmm. they got out of there. His roommate has this beach house on uh, at, in North Carolina, and it's me and my family are kind of making fun of it. It's just so typical that everyone else. My brother just has this thing about him. This I don't know if you want to call it good luck charm. He's he's insanely talented. He's probably the smartest person I think I'll ever meet. Just as far as naturally gifted, he. I think I've told you he he's a great musician, insanely talented, but then at the mm-hmm. same time, he, he plays guitar, he can just sit down at a piano and start playing whatever he wants. One summer, he wanted to play golf, so he just started playing golf. He sends me pictures that summer. Harry, I have this for Birdie. He, he's just one of these guys that lucky, not lucky, good things happen to him, whether it be luck or by his own doing. So naturally, he just has a friend who has a beach house and he's just surviving this pandemic out in paradise right now so
0: he is a renaissance man you give him anything yeah. he'll figure out how to do it
1: he's a renaissance man mixed with um i, I don't know you know how flanders just always seems to have something better than homer yeah right like if homer had yeah he, that, that's basically him as well
0: okay i see uh well that's yeah. not a bad place to be quarantined i guess
1: no um, at not a beach all. house
0: in north carolina that ain't bad
1: no <laughs> he's just surviving out there making. A, he did actually ask me a couple times About uh, recipes For like challah And other Hebrew foods During Passover So he's, he's, having, he's staying busy as well
0: Are you staying up on your cooking? Because I've been very fortunate where yesterday For example for Easter We did a brunch which was delicious And then the dinner that Kara made Was this, we, I got a full chicken At the store uh, So roasted chicken and it was one of those things where she put like the potatoes under the chicken. So all oh. the juices just, oh my God, dude. And yeah. uh, charred uh, Brussels sprouts. And it was so oh. simple, but it was, yeah, dude, it was so good. So I've been living in hog heaven over here, just eating amazing <laughs> food. And have you, you do a great job. So plug your Instagram page because you will put recipes and what you've made on this Instagram page.
1: Yes, yes, I need to plug my Instagram, but th- this will be like the first time I've plugged my, you know, personal thing or whatever Instagram page. I do it more so than my actual uh, Instagram or Twitter handle, but my Instagram page is at uh, shirtlesschef.hb and I post recipes and different things I do, whether it just be indulging myself or actually foods that I, uh, you know, healthy stuff or healthy at least for my standards. Uh, yesterday I have been keeping up on my cooking. Um, I've been doing my, mainly I just try to make really good breakfast every morning, whether Mm -hmm. that be, uh, different kinds of pancakes, French toast, omelet, whatever it can be that it you know, trying to keep it healthy with like whole grain breads and maybe egg whites instead of whole eggs like incorporating, uh, maybe some protein powder in there to get, uh, my protein count up. Uh, yesterday, for example, um, I I got back into the into the swing of things as far as um, as far as my cheat days were going. Now I haven't done one of those in over a year.
0: And just for and, clarification, because I remember this distinctly, you would come in yeah. on usually a Friday, and <laughs> yeah. it would be, "Hey guys, this is this is my cheat day," and we'd say, "Okay, well, what have you had so far?" And usually it was something along the lines of, "Well." I had the home run platter at Denny's. Then decided to get a uh, Jamoka shake from Arby's at 10 a.m. with some curly fries for lunch. Had a Rosati's pizza, not a slice of pizza. And
1: yeah, that, that was yeah.
0: So you yeah, yeah, you yeah, are yeah. tweaking though the idea of a cheat day. You're tweaking it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it used to be it was me and and uh, and Beta Beta Manalo. What we would do is we just go out and absolutely eat everything we possibly could. Like you were saying, an example of a day would be starting at the original Pancake House or Mary Ann's then a couple hours later going to Five Guys or Arby's or Firehouse Subs and then dinner would be an entire Rosati's pizza, maybe trying to find what dessert am I making that night? Would it be cookies? Would it be a loaf of Jelly, Jewish, Jewish jelly bread. Jelly, what is jelly
0: bread? Is it just what it sounds like, bread with jelly? It's
1: exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, Uh, with it's bread with like grape jam kind of cooked into the middle of it. It's really good. But what I'm doing now is I'm trying to make it kind of so that throughout the week, I I set like a baseline amount of calories that I want to average per day that'll allow me to either maintain what my weight's at or maybe go down a little bit, just tiny little bits. Um, cause you know, no one's really going to get into the greatest shape they can be in right now with the, you know, inaccessibility to actual facilities like gyms. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm still, and I, I showed you this before, still important to kind of keep up on what you're doing as far as staying in shape, just whatever you can do, body weight exercises and stuff like that. So it's, it's tough, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But yeah, what I'm doing now is I'm trying to make it so each day averages out to a certain amount of calories via, you know, different kind of ratios with, with, uh, with my macronutrients you know, whether it be protein, carbs, and, and, uh, and fats. So days one through six will be, okay, this is what I'm allowing myself to eat. And then on day seven, the, the, uh, the, the deficit from those first six days will add up to a kind of an allowance for the seventh hmm. day. Yesterday was the seventh day. So it made it so, okay, I can have, um, Maybe I'll have this uh, bowl of popcorn on top of this, as well as French toast and a pizza and <laughs> maybe a full bowl of spaghetti. <laughs> so yesterday, I actually, yesterday, that's exactly what it was. It was it was French toast, a, a full pizza that I had been fermenting the dough for a couple of days. That was wow. what I was looking forward to. It was really good. Uh, so it was the French toast, a pizza, bowl of spaghetti. It was spaghetti and herring. Which sounds gross. What is herring? really game? good. Is that game? Canned fish. It's canned fish. It's, it's a canned fish. It tastes really meaty though. So it, it was, uh, you know, not really fishy, more kind of tasted like, just like I mix it in with meatballs. Okay. Uh, and, and then aside from that, uh, like I said, popcorn, a banana mug cake. Good. And, a, uh, and a smoothie. Yeah. So it's similar to what I used to do. Only difference now is, as you can tell, not all of those things are absolutely atrocious like an entire pizza from Rosati's. <laughs> I actually control what I put into this. Not a, a hamburger from Five Guys with a milkshake. You and know, it's, a, I'm, it's I'm
0: an making. equation. It's a math equation where you got X amount of calories per week. And yeah. you said the deficit entering the seventh day. You just say, okay, well, I got 1,500 extra calories. I'm adding it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So – yeah, on days, my, my average I'm trying to go for is 3000 a day. Um, cause I think my, you know, maintenance count is something around 3100. So if I go for 3000, then, then I can, uh, maintain my weight, maybe lose a little bit of weight. But on top of that, days one through six, I eat maybe 2800 calories. That allows me then on day seven to eat 4000 and, uh, Keeps you from really falling off the wagon too often because you know you have something to look forward to. Yeah, It's right. different from the days where I would eat maybe 1,200 calories a couple of days and then the cheap day would be 6,000 and most of it would just be greasy, fatty, cheesy, milkshaky and nightmares.
0: <laughs> you know what's weird so, is that yesterday we feasted on this amazing dinner and it was healthy. But just by pure caloric intake, I felt it. And I even woke up in the middle of the night and I was, I feel this sort of, you know, churning in my stomach because I'm just not used to eating that much. And when I'm in the middle of it, I'm like, well, it's only Brussels sprouts. So I could eat endless quantities of this and it's not going to, well, that's not true. Uh, but Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're, we're eating great over here. And, um, for me, the, the, routine is that friday mornings i go to schnooks so the one down in savoy have you ever been to that one when you were back here
1: the one um yeah we would go there sometimes because after nine o'clock i think either after nine or seven they do 50 cent uh donuts so you just oh yeah okay. up, yeah you fill up a, a big basket of donuts of course you know and me i eat one or two of them on my way to the checkout aisle. And uh, yeah, that's a nice little night
0: out. Would you get to the register and be like, hey, actually, there, there were 10. There are now eight. Charge me for the 10. Or is this... No, 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 okay.
1: Oh, oh, no, no, come on, come on. No, we're living in a pandemic. There are no rules right now.
0: I, th- this is what cracks me up is that there are email correspondences that everyone's having right now and usually something to do with an employer or a coworker and you mentioned that there are no rules in a pandemic and yet there's some people that are still operating as such and i know we talked about this a little bit last time but uh and i can't give you a specific example because i'd basically be ratting people out but uh have you run into situations where you'll you'll get an email or a text even and you got to stop and be like wait a second this this is not it's not february 15th this is april yeah. 13th in the middle of pandi- this is this does not apply rules do not apply to this
1: that, yeah there's different things kind of going on at least for me at work where you know you'll get an email from whoever it might be and you just kind of look at it and kind of like raise your eyebrows and say <clears throat> like we kind of have to just notice what's going on you know this might have like you said it might have flown a couple months ago when there was normalcy and when there was actual stuff for people to do as opposed to now where you know we're just trying to get by um, a couple a couple days ago or about a week ago, I just noticed, um, <clears throat> April 6th was my three month mark of being at, uh, at ESPN and your three month mark is supposed to be where you, um, <clears throat> Uh-oh.
0: Sorry. I'm just kidding. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, the, the, um, the three month mark is supposed to be where you get off of, um, off of your probationary period. Well, no one really even knows what's going on. And I didn't even notice that that was the date until two days later on April 8th and I was in work. And I didn't get an email from anyone. I didn't get a message from anyone saying anything to the effect of, uh, okay, your probationary period's over. We, let's have a meeting and go over it. So I don't even know what's going on right now. There's so much uncertainty. There's so much unknown going on. Everyone's just kind of stuck in limbo. It's setting everyone back. It, I mean, there's no, You find yourself just going online, looking up, when's this going to be over? When do people think this is going to be over? What's the best case? What's the worst case? Hearing stuff from uh, best case scenario, maybe the, the, uh, the summer heat kind of affects this the same way it affects the flu, and it's gone in two months. Hopefully, we get back. Then you hear people saying, well, what if people don't practice social distancing the way they should? And this goes on for the scary number I heard was another 18 months. Can you believe if we're doing this in 18 months, that doesn't mean this time next year. That means next Thanksgiving don't, we're don't. getting back to normal.
0: That's why don't read the worst case scenarios. Here, here's, my, yeah. here's what I've kind of come up with in my mind. And expectations are a dangerous thing during a time like this. Expectations, probably not good. That I, I used to have the yardstick at, Well, if I can go to this concert in July, eh, okay, we're just moving mass gatherings until an indeterminate length of time in the future. Okay, I don't know when that's going to be. Fine. For me, and I was talking to my parents yesterday, it will be as simple as if you could tell me like mid-May that on a nice Friday or Saturday night, maybe not even go into their home, but meet them on the patio and we're, we're sitting apart from each other and maybe grilling something out or just sitting and having a drink or something like that. I'll take that, right? The other thing for me is that we do this uh, family trip every August to, or now it's late July into early August, up to Wisconsin. It's for a week. We have our own kind of house on the beach there. And if we so chose, we could really just hang out in the house and on the beach away from anybody else. But it would still be me and Kara, my parents, my sister and brother-in-law there are three kids. So now we're talking nine people in a house. Please tell me that's going to be okay in late July. But uh, yeah, the worst case scenario stuff's frightening. So I'm thinking, okay, what if there's a antiviral breakthrough that, that kind of stems the tide? We know we can start operating again. And worst case, if we get it, there's an antiviral treatment this summer. And then next year we get the vaccine. To me, that's like best case scenario that we can gradually return to that normalcy this summer maybe not everything, and then you know that next summer, game on, everything's open, concerts, sporting events, Disney, whatever. You know, like it,
1: that, yeah, that this was going to be I, – I, uh, I was looking forward to – I was going to see Pearl Jam oh at the end man. of March. Well, hold on to those yeah. tickets
0: because here's the good news, right, about live concerts. No band that already sold their tickets. My example would be Rage Against the Machine. It's been years since they came out. Uh, they aren't going to turn that money off like they're they're going to say you know what guys let's just cancel the tour no they're going to do it yeah whether it's next year or this fall they're going to do it so those tickets hold on to those if you can't
1: well I, I didn't buy them yet as soon as i was getting ready to buy them because i was waiting for my dad for the go-ahead because he was going to come up and we were going nice. to see them at madison square garden whoa and uh yeah it would have been cool um but you know I was, you know, asking him around his birthday around, uh, March 10th, 11th. And that's when all this stuff happened. That's when they came out and said it was done. So never even got the opportunity. Uh, Matchbox 20 was going to play in the summer. I was going to see them at an amphitheater, I think, um, in Connecticut. So that, that would have been fun. And yeah. those tickets obviously are a little bit cheaper than say,
0: um, <laughs> Pearl Jam, at Madison Square Garden, Pearl
1: Jam, at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Exactly. But still for me, just as much of an event that I would have wanted to go to, that's obviously off the table now. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's the further you look into the future. And for some reason, I don't know if this is just me. I kind of look at the summer and I kind of see it just as, well, there's no, I, I got to convince myself this might not be the case, but I can't get over the fact that it's not, Oh, after the summer, you know, September, you have three months of just summer right there where everyone has off anyway. Uh, obviously, we'll be back to normal by then. Why wouldn't Thanksgiving be just, you know, run-of-the-mill as usual? Why wouldn't the NFL be fine? Because it's on the other side of this this wall of of summer. And I can't get over the fact that that just might not be the case. And, I mean, you 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 know me. If they, I mean, not cancel because I'll still probably find a way back home for, uh, for Thanksgiving. Yeah. But if Thanksgiving just kind of has, there's no football, if it has the same feel as Easter did yesterday, now I'm Jewish, I don't celebrate Easter, but still... Oh,
0: Passover. I mean...
1: Yeah, Passover. But it, I feel like the way I described it yesterday, I was talking to Tori, Easter yesterday, Easter 2020 probably will go down as the sneakiest major holiday of all time. Hmm. I mean... Did anyone know that Easter was going on yesterday? Um, I, like, basically, I mean, that might be a little extreme, but no, no, I I, I, know bet, I I bet you a lot of people. If you told them on Friday, "Yeah, Easter's this Sunday," a lot of people would respond with, "Oh, oh my God, it is! That's right, Easter's this Sunday."
0: Yeah, it was one of those things where all the cues that would otherwise tell you it's Easter were not there. So you sort of, if you were to celebrate Easter, you had to sort of create your own new slightly altered versions of old traditions. So for us, what normally would happen is we would be up in Michigan and Easter is, there are more traditions that Karen and her family have for Easter than my family does. It wasn't ever really a huge holiday for us. And when we would go up to Michigan, which we've done, I think two of the last three years, the brunch that she made yesterday included the same things that her mom would make, including these little like frozen quiche things which are super tasty you just get them at gordon's that food service place or whatever and uh that alone was enough to be like ah yes you know i remember going up to michigan for easter weekend which is actually the first time i ever went to michigan to meet her family was an easter weekend so last night this is going to sound don't judge me too harshly on this but we're watching steel magnolias have you ever seen that movie no have you heard of it uh no. Okay, so it is generally regarded as a chick flick, which is a little bit unfair because it's actually really well done and well acted. So it's got Sally Field, Julia Roberts, Shirley MacLaine, uh, Daryl Hannah, Dolly Parton, all star cast, mostly female. But it's very sad. There's a death in it, and you know whatever. But there there's these moments in that, and I the older I get, you can put Finding Nemo on. I'm a wreck. By the end of that stupid movie,
1: well, but, most, most any Pixar movie, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Then
0: that goes without saying. But even Rocky, at the end of it, when he's shouting out Adrian's name, I get the end I of well Rocky
1: up. is the best end of any movie. I will stand by that. It's, it's up so there. So good. It's up there. I so, mean, I mean, he, he. I'm sorry, I'm interrupting. No, you, no, no. But just, I mean, he's he's he went the, he did everything he could to get ready for that fight, and Apollo was not ready at all. And he gave everything he had. And at the end, he still loses. But that doesn't matter because he knows he did everything he could. And as they're announcing that Apollo won, all he cares about is, is Adrian. Yeah. That's, me, and
0: you couple the music. The yeah, music in the that moment. Holy crap. When, Holy God, man. And, yeah. and just the very end, it's like, I love you. right where they finally do that final little cadence dude it is a perfect ending but so in steel magnolias there's these scenes there's one with uh, grandma and her uh grandson and it reminded me of i just had this fleeting image of you know my mom and my nephew which he absolutely loves, Grandma. You know, always goes for hugs and everything. And for some reason, at that moment, I had to like turn away from Kara. Not that she judge she doesn't judge anything, but I I had to turn away. It was almost one of those things where you put like your fist in your but, like mm-hmm. like you yeah, know, don't don't yeah. do, don't lose it now. And I think what hit me is that. As long as this goes, there's going to be these sort of visual cues, whether it's a TV show or movie, or maybe it's a song that you listen to on your shuffle, that cue up or conjure up memories or images of things that we you just took for granted. Like, I mean, the fact that my mom could hug my nephew, right? And for some reason, holy crap, Harry, that like hit me like a ton of bricks last night. And maybe it was the Easter component. Maybe it was the fact that everything that we did yesterday was in absence of family members we would normally see. But what is frightening to me, and I think I'll be okay on the other side of this, but the mental component of all this, that will be far-reaching. You know, like, I mean, I I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if it's, you know, uh, definition or textbook PTSD by any stretch. There are far more traumatic things that people have to go through. But the whole distancing thing is going to impact people. And I don't know how. I don't even know how it's going to impact me when things kind of open up again.
1: I think it will in the short term. But, I mean, the way I'm kind of looking at it is I have a hard time believing if you go, say, maybe a year and a half away from now. Because this is is kind of a slow burn. This is very – it's almost, I would say, more so awkward for people than it is shocking and jolting. It's not kind of similar to the way that – and I know – it's weird that we we kind of have been drawing this comparison but this the thing people keep coming back to is comparing this to September 11th. Yeah. And that that was more of a jolting shocking oh my god look what can happen and as a result of that you have all these changes that still take place today. We still kind of feel uneasy at an airport if we maybe see something that's a little off. There's still the hassle of going through security because of what happened back then you can't get to the airport five minutes before but that was so shocking and i mean it, it, what does it say the fact that that because of that there's a saying never forget well no one instance has happened yet with this pandemic there has been no three thousand people die in two hours event that is making us think we will, you know, we can't forget this. We never, we can never forget this because it, it, it has, there's been nothing, and this will be maybe a weird word to use, but nothing spectacular has kind of happened to kind of jolt us into, Oh my God, we can't allow this to happen. So for that kind of reason, I see it as we're doing social distancing. Maybe when. This stops or at least starts to die down and people start going back out. Maybe at first people will kind of stand away from each other, social distance a little more. Right. But I there just will be kind of think, I just kind of think that as time goes on, like two years from now, let's say, let's just pick a number. Let's say in, in eight months, this is all, all over. Everything is back to normal. I think in two years, you're going to go out to the supermarket. You're not going to see people in masks. You're not going to see people in gloves. You go to a sporting event. It's still, I mean, a concert for, for whoever, I, I don't know, big band. Ariana Grande is still going to have 70,000 people in a stadium, you know, um, the way she did last year. I, I just, I don't see a lot of big, major changes happening from that simply because there hasn't been anything spectacular to kind of jolt us to kind of change anything long term does that
0: make sense yeah it does make sense because i was watching 60 minutes this is when you know you're getting old you gotta you make sure you tune in (laughs) for the first segment of 60 minutes and last night they had one about new york and the hospitals and it was really really heartbreaking and frustrating because you know we can say greatest country in the world and all that but you know we can't even provide enough masks to the greatest city in the world from the greatest country in the world. We can't give them what they need. It's just BS. But, um, off my soapbox there. That was, that's as far as I'll go with that. But, (laughs) but as I'm watching this, um, I I realized they had a couple quick shots inside of like a hospital hallway. And, we don't have those images like we did in 9-11. There were all these stark images that scared the crap out of people, right? So they could be the smoldering yeah. remains of World Trade Center towers. It could be the firefighters with their faces just covered in, in coal and everything, which I guess we do have a few images of you know, a nurse or a doctor that comes out of a 16-hour shift and their face has the imprint from the N95 mask. But what we don't have-
1: But that's different. It is. It's it's, it's different. And
0: it feels like we have gotten to the point, understandably, that we kind of need to either be hit over the head with something or the image has to be so viscerally powerful that if we don't have that, it's that much easier to uh, not register as much as it should. So, for example, we don't have that single image yet of this pandemic that has flipped people out. Um, We don't have... I remember reading about this. Is going to get dark here, but the the Black Death, for example, or the bubonic plague, right? And there, there are these illustrations of what you know mass graves and all that look like, and that's still unsettling. We don't have that yet, even though there are makeshift morgues and body bags and hallways, which they did have in the story yesterday. But for some reason, as long as it doesn't affect anyone in our inner circle, it is failing to resonate. I mean, twenty thousand plus. So essentially six times the amount that died on 9-11 have already died in this thing. And, yeah. and we might be flattening the curve, but it's going to be a lot more than that when all said and done. And it, it does seem like there's this weird lack of urgency, even though it's staring us in the face. But I think that also comes from the fact that the main action we're being told to take is stay home. So we don't have that yeah. same sort of, Ugh. you know, we're, well we're just staying at home. Okay, fine
1: yeah because you know the the the, uh, the solution for this is stay home stay hygienic and if you do everything right for you know in all likelihood you should be fine and and the fact of the matter is um what, what do we have right now maybe 400,000 plus people who have either had it uh the virus whether it be asymptomatic or actually having it and of that uh, uh 20,000 people have died that gets to you to around three or four percent. Yeah. or four percent of people that have had it uh, have died. That's well, a, you know,
0: and this the, is the the thing-
1: number of people, the number of people that have had it or that have died from it. I mean, it's obviously higher than we want. But the reason, and we keep coming back to uh, September 11th, of the people that got affected by that, it's a much higher percentage. I mean, I mean, the people in that building that were near the impact level. Most all of them were either very badly injured or died and and that's the reason I think that people and, and obviously it's apples and oranges right i mean it is. It, i mean we're we're comparing we're comparing something that we have some kind of control over something that is not as spectacular it's not as horrifying it's not as uh there's no one image like you said like the image of of a jet airliner flying into a building it's it's um it's 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 more it's more calming to know that you have some kind of a semblance of control over what's going on right now.
0: Yeah, which I guess you're absolutely right about that. And I think the part of it was, you know, air travel already kind of freaked people out, myself included. So then you add that component and people that didn't like air travel in the first place are like, well, I'm certainly not going now. Uh, you had, it, the images for sure, and I think the, the lack of control, which back to the airline thing, part of the reason I don't like flying is I don't have control. Even though it's infinitely safer than me driving my car anywhere, yeah. I don't have control. <laughs> so when I get behind my wheel, even driving 75 on in an interstate and anything could happen at any time, for some reason it's like, oh, but I'm driving. So with this, it's like, well, if I just stay home, then I'm in control of it, and I won't get it. And I think that's where people are able to just sort of you know adapt to this new normal but I think when you talk about sort of adapting to whatever the normal is going to be four or five months from now I'm thinking about that trip to Wisconsin and these other things where when we get into town we stop at a place for lunch are we going to stop there? when we go to the grocery store to get all the stuff that we need for the beach house well am I as a younger person going to go get the groceries so my parents who are in their mid-60s they don't have to be exposed to crowds even though the numbers are going to be down it's going to be going to a cousin of mine who's getting married in August presumably that it happens and yeah. you know we sit down as a family at a pew and then another family comes in and we're like <clears throat> excuse us this pew is you know what, what do you do? Or that you're at a table at the reception. These things all sound like total hypochondriac, uh, germaphobe sort of stuff. But I think what it turns into, I never considered myself that. But it is going to turn a lot of people into germaphobes far after there's really risk involved. Like until we get the full all clear, there's just going to be this sort of tiptoeing well, on eggshells.
1: Yeah. So, so, okay. I think I see, see, and, and I think that's true to some extent, but I do believe that when a vaccine does come out, I think people are going to just kind of come back to the realization that, you know, aside from the hypochondriacs, like I, I, I don't see, I don't see once a vaccine is out and once this can be treated, whether it be with vaccines or antiviral, us still having to stand Six feet apart from one another no, in line not. at the grocery store. So with, with that, maybe there will be a, a little bit of hesitancy, hesitancy in the immediate future as far as standing too close to another person when you're at, you know, when you're at the grocery store and you're looking at something on a shelf and then you see someone waiting for you to move so that they can move by. I mean, I never used to notice that. And now you just kind of do. I, I see that once the masks go away, once the gloves go away, once the social distancing is kind of not as in heavily enforced, I just kind of see that maybe falling by the wayside, not in the immediate future, not after people start going out and about, but it's, but I think especially after the vaccines start to come out, once people start getting actively treated for this and it's not just bed rest, that's, that's where I think it's just, I, I think this will have an impact on, on society. I'm not sure how. It's obviously it's too big to not. But at the same time, I mean, the flu back 100 years ago had a kind of similar effect. It was killing people left and right. And then once we treated it, I mean, life kind of got back to normal. You know, it, it, the people just they kind of forget about it. They they don't practice the, uh, the dis- social distancing the same way that, that they are right now when we're being told that we have to.
0: Yeah, I think we do have a short memory, and that'll be good and bad, right? I think it'll be maybe bad in the interim when we get into the summer months, and th- what they talk about like is an inevitable resurgence in the fall. But you know, yeah. that's that's the other thing too is this this balancing act of well, knowing the risk and knowing the cost of just shutting everything down until we get a vaccine. You can't really do that. Uh, what scares me is that. I don't know what the plan is. This is where, you know, I appreciate the governors and all they're doing, but this is where the federal government, you would like a plan. So, for example, I would love to be told that, okay, uh, the first step that we're going to take is this. Like, we're going to do regional reopenings based on how many cases there are. So, for example, the Midwest or at least state of Illinois doing a really good job. Michigan's having issues in Detroit, but Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, maybe they get opened up before, obviously in New York or something like that. Um, But then the other part of it would be, and and this is a deeper question, privacy issues and all that tracking and Google and Apple getting involved with, you know, tracking mechanisms to let you know if there's someone in your neighborhood that has it, someone in your apartment building. And I'm like, well, For now, I'd totally get on board with that because I want to get back to normal life, but there'd be some people that would argue that's a total invasion of privacy and that there's unintended consequences of it. So I think this anxiety or this, I want to get back to it, is making me say, ah, what the hell? Put me in the national registry of Google and Apple for people who do or do not have COVID-19. I would just, I want to start doing things again, you know? I'm
1: also kind of of the belief that I don't know how (laughs) <laughs> how much maybe just last podcast on the left I've been listening to, but... Um, Which I need
0: to check that episode, out. You've recommended that. Uh, I need to check it out.
1: It's pretty good. Listen to, listen to the older episodes. They're they're a little bit more uh, better, a little bit more organic. Uh, the newer ones kind of seem... Uh, nothing against them. They're still good, just maybe yeah. a little bit too, uh, too forced. Um, but that, you know, complete side note. But I am of the belief that, you know, go ahead and, you know, let us know. Where people with COVID are, you know, whether that means we want to stay away from them or not. As far as well, that's too much of an invasion of privacy. Um, I'm just going to say it. I think they're already doing it. I think the government <laughs> knows where we are at all times. I mean, come on we we have these we have these devices in our hand that every like, like like five times a day ask us, "Do you want to allow this app to know where you are?" Come on, yeah, they know where we are. Here's an example Everything, of
0: that. We, uh, Kara has been gradually redesigning and redecorating parts of the house. So we started the living room area, and she got a bunch of potted plants, some fake, some real. And here's the theory behind it, is if you have a few fake and a few real, it becomes harder to tell the difference between what's fake and real. So if that makes sense. Yeah. You blend them. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. So somehow, I have not searched for this on my phone, period. Not once. Never have searched for a potted plant on my phone. And on Instagram I scroll down past like two entries and there is an ad for a potted plant plant website. <laughs> I yep, have never gotcha. I so what does that mean? They they know what I'm saying or what Karen and I Oh god, yeah. That's
1: Oh, well 1 million percent. I mean, here here's all you have to think about. Here's all you have to think about. You remember when Siri came out, and then after a while, it was if you have if you have your phone plugged in and you say, I, I don't know if I can say it right now, but H E Y S I R I. I don't want to make my phone act up. Um, but if you if you say that, then you know, say, Siri, that out, up, spell that out. Spell that out. H E Y S I R I. Right. Right.
0: Okay. Then accuse, like, and just, she logs everything you say.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, then she says, Yeah. What's what's going on? Well, then it became. You don't even have to have your phone plugged in. And if you say that, then she answers you. Sometimes you're just, you're, you can be watching a certain video and maybe the sound comes across to her that you're asking her something. I mean, come on. That means it's always listening to you. If it's, if it can just pick up when you say that and then say, what do you want? What makes you think that that's the only time? It's just, it happens to be boom when you say that, those two words, then it starts logging. In. No way. And then what no is way. This, I'll, I'll,
0: well, what's this? What's to say about me, Harry, that even with that information, it's a little troubling. I shrug it off. <laughs> I shrug it off yeah, and move back. I see, I see the potted plant ad on my Instagram feed, shrug <laughs> it off. Uh-huh. Oh, what a quinky dink. And I move about my day.
1: Oh, see, I don't even. I, the only way I don't go insane is I don't tell myself it's a coincidence. I just say, you know, like I'll, I'll, um, I'll look something up, or I'll be maybe thinking about something or talking about something on my phone with uh, with my parents, saying, "Yeah, I was thinking of getting this," and then, like you said, then it comes across on your newsfeed. I just, I just kind of smile. I look at my phone. I look around. And I just go. You guys having fun with this? You having fun with this? There's there's 300 million people in the country, and, and you gotta you know you want to know if I want to get cinnamon from Walmart later today? Okay, real cool.
0: You know what makes no sense is on Facebook, it will give me ads for Spanx leggings. <laughs> I've not, I, I'm not that I know of. I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain here for the last time I searched for leggings or Spanx, and yet. It seems like every other time I'm on Facebook, it gives me ads for that. It, Yeah, I they,
1: they, yeah well, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe they're mishearing what you're saying. Maybe you say you like uh, Tom Hanks in that movie, <laughs> yeah. Cheggings. Good old Cheggings, a B-movie classic Cheggings. from
0: 1983. <laughs> uh, well, Trevor, I think, is still having issues with this. I, We can save the sports conversation. Here's here's what I said in the intro, and I mean this like Jeremy does a sports show every day. Five days a week. Lon and Derek and then Trevor, they do theirs five days a week. And I know that if Tay and Carp for whatever reason were still around today and we were let's say all living here and I guess going into the station, I don't know, that we would make do. We would find a way to get it done. Period. Yeah, but yeah. Do do you find it harder to, as much as we want sports to return, do you find it harder to stay as interested? So, for example, and this I think is more indicative of Illinois football and its current state, but they got the (laughs) – they got an FCS All-American offensive lineman. That's cool. I mean, he might be good, right? And they got a wide receiver transfer from New Mexico State. Whatever. Uh, And I know that I would be, about it anyway – but i am beyond apathetic and i know that what is contributing to that is that my brain usually that has about you know 70% energy towards sports and 30% towards other interests is that's probably dialed down to like 30% right now even though i want it back i cannot conjure up the same sort of passion for sports simply because it ain't around and, right, I, and
1: it's not just that it's not just that it's not around It's that you're seeing stuff, especially with college football, like you were just saying. It's that they're saying this stuff, assuming that it will be back to normal on time. And that, first of all, I don't think that's going to be the case, but that's a whole nother tangent. But at the same time, it's, it's just stop. it's, It's almost like you're kind of telling yourself, stop pretending like this matters right now because I'm not going to say you know there's bigger things going on, but well, there are. stop pretending. Well, there are, but stop pretending this matters right now because we all know that this guy isn't going to be playing on August 31st or September 1st, when uh, whenever the first games would be, because nothing is going to happen. Now, there are no sports. Who cares what's going on with this draft in a couple weeks? Because these players probably aren't even going to play this calendar year. I, I, there's there's so there's so much stuff. That we're trying to convince ourselves that things are, are going about as normal when really we're just talking. It's like talking about Madden. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's literally talking about something yeah. that that it doesn't exist in reality right now. And you we're know we're what? We're trying to convince ourselves it does, but it doesn't.
0: And I think for me, it's selective. So, an example I used in the opening segment was how with Illini basketball, the idea that IO might be coming back right just the idea of it is enough to has get me excited been, and I'm has like that
1: been pitched around recently that is just that seems to say? be
0: that that's just seems to be this growing sort of idea that's bubbling under we haven't gotten any word from iO but draft boards continually have them late second round or not drafted and this also feeds into the pandemic and what's going on the uncertainty what what I said in the opening segment was, You know, you have someone from Chicago, and his choices for his next year are either stay around the state of Illinois and your family and your friends and play whatever season there is going to be for college basketball, however that looks, or take that dive into the NBA when the draft eventually comes around in August— Maybe you get drafted, but may not play. Maybe you don't get drafted. And then maybe the international team that wants you, you can't fly over there because there's international travel restrictions. So in other words, the uncertainty of life probably only you know, drives him a little bit more into this idea of, oh, well, maybe I should just stay around one more year just because I don't know what the hell anything else looks like.
1: Yeah, I, I, that in that aspect, in that regard, I can certainly see something like that happening just kind of looking at it through the lens of, well, I already know that I'm here. I already know that I'm at Illinois. I already know that if I just stay put, because I can definitely do that. I mean, there's nothing saying I can't. I still get a scholarship. I still get to live for free. I still get to play basketball somewhere where people love me, and I don't have to answer any of those questions. I don't have to answer any of the what do I do if I go undrafted. What do I do? if some team over in Turkey drafts me and I can go play over there, but then I can't really because I can't fly over there yet because of this pandemic. In that regard, I can certainly see him staying here. It's just, it's hard for me to believe just after an entire year of us all kind of coming to the agreement that he won't come back. It's just changing. But I mean, no one foresaw what's going on happening. So it's, it's somewhere that I just kind of put myself right now saying, there's, there's nothing really we can do. We just have to wait and see what's going to happen, well, at and least you know, for, for him.
0: Yeah, and in, in addition to that, I think that all this idea that we had this year as fans, and he himself probably had as well, he was going to go through the year, have a monster season, he did, and that the big stage for him was going to be the Big Ten Tournament NCAA, <laughs> NCAA Tournament because everything that makes him as valuable as he is to Illinois, there's a lot of intangible qualities that if you're an NBA draft scout, you aren't necessarily drafting based on clutch gene, right? I mean, that that's certainly exists with Io, if such a thing exists. He has that clutch yeah. gene. But he is essentially an undersized shooting guard with a sub 30% from three-point percentage. And that is going to be a mark against him. Kofi, that's a whole other thing, and I feel like if Io comes back, maybe Kofi says, well, what the hell? I mean, he's not in any draft board right now. Uh, But I think that's bubbling under the surface because, one, it makes a little bit of logical sense. Two, in this absence of sports, we need something to look forward to. So when I say it's selective, Illini football, I wasn't looking forward to anyway. So I get this news about transfers. I'm like, who cares? Maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. Whatever. But when I hear just the idea that Io may come back, I'm like, oh, you know, I get really excited. Just the same sort of thing of how baseball, all these crazy ideas about how they're going to open up the season. And as a Yankees fan and how loaded that roster is, I'm like, what the hell? Quarantine in Arizona and play there for four months and do seven inning doubleheaders. Or there's a new idea about playing in Japan. Whatever. I. It's so selective for me. And I think that, it's this weird dichotomy of not being as into sports naturally, but also using certain bits and pieces of sports to keep your optimism, to keep that light at the end of the tunnel whenever they do return.
1: Yeah. It's like you said, it's selective. I mean, if, if there's a sport, maybe you don't really have too much, I guess, faith in recently, like Illinois football has. Uh, I mean, they give us enough, to, enough reason to root for them and to believe in them as they possibly could last year, and as far as uh, in comparison to recent history. But still, after that, you still have a six and seven season going into next year uh, with a with a well, fourteenth ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten.
0: I mean, even after so, these, yeah. And that's the thing; these additions happen, and it's like, yeah, but what what are we in the Big Ten? All right, fourteen out of fourteen, and it's yeah, just dead
1: yeah, dead last after Rutgers. Wait, so and- it's it, it, yeah.
0: It will, and well, and that's just it. And what I what I cannot wait for, even if they suck next year, if there is a college football season, let's say they come out, they have a disappointing four and eight campaign. I so look forward to still, even still, being able to come on here and just bitch and moan about it. And <laughs> that to me is something that uh, you know I, I think we're all figuring out what are what makes us tick as sports fans more so than ever because when you take a step back from it um and reflect on well what gets me excited uh, what am i most looking forward to for me the illinois football thing is going to be towards the bottom of the list college football as well but that's just simply because illinois football has never been that great but for you you mentioned nfl football if there's no you let's say thanksgiving happens you're with your family but ah, eh, Concerns about COVID nineteen. There's no NFL season, no three games on Thanksgiving Day to watch. I mean, even the absence of the Lions game. I don't care who they play.
1: That would oh suck, yeah, the Lions. Yeah, I'm, it, it's the Lions game. I mean, you have a, more of a vested interest in the Lions than most people because you're an NFC North fan. So right. You have, even, even if it's a year where the Bears aren't very good and the Lions aren't very good. Say the Lions are playing. The, uh, the Vikings, then you can say, you can root against one of them. Maybe, mm-hmm. oh, I hate the Vikings. Oh, I hate the Lions this year more so. You have some kind of rooting interest. Even if you don't like sports, it is tradition to watch the, the football games during the, uh, during the day. I mean, it's, it's, you have the, and the way the NFL set it up is beautiful, by the way. The, they have the, uh, what is it? They have the, the Lions game during the day so that you can make food During the day and have it on in the background, right? Right. So you have the Lions game on in the background. It's one you really don't care about for the most part. um, You know, I'm I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm going to care more so what the Cowboys do. Um, I actually like it more so when the Eagles don't play on Thanksgiving.
0: I kind of agree with that. As a Bears fan, I mean, we went two years ago to the Lions-Bears game, and it was a lot of fun. The Bears won that. Well, the Bears won this year, too. But, yeah, it was a lot of fun because it was in that playoff push. But for the most part, yeah, you. I, I prefer the passive watching on Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so, so for me, you have the Lions game on in the background. I can kind of cheer. Uh, Lions are playing. Let's just pick a team that they. I think they've played the Packers in recent history. No, they played the Vikings a couple years ago for sure. I know mm-hmm. that for sure. So they play the Vikings, and I'm watching this, thinking, I don't. For some I don't like the Vikings this year. I want to see Matt Stafford drive him down the field. I want to see. I want to see them win this game. Oh, there's a pick. I heard that going on in the background while I was taking the sweet potatoes out of the oven. That's pretty cool. You know, and then once you just fill yourself with all this food and you just want to sit down and absolutely veg out for the rest of the day, boom, you got the Cowboys on. Nothing I love more on Thanksgiving Day than watching the Cowboys lose to the Bills while I am just <laughs> melting into the couch. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it, it's so it just lines up perfectly. And if you still have Thanksgiving this year, which Thanksgiving's going to happen, whether I mean, it's going to happen. I'm I'm willing that into existence. Okay, but if it happens without football. I think even people who don't like football underestimate how much of a, like of an impact that's going to have.
0: Well, I, and even think about this too, and I, I don't watch this, but I guess families with young kids might, the whole Macy's Day parade. Yeah. I mean, you could, this would be so, this would be ridiculous. We talk about sports with no spectators. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> a Macy's Day parade with empty streets except for the people <laughs> holding the float. Now, the good thing about that, though, if the social distancing applies, then you wouldn't have those lame choruses and choirs doing their little performances in the middle of 34th Street, which I always thought it was just super lame. But you would have just empty street, and you'd have Al Roker from his apartment building remotely commentating on Woody Woodpecker coming through there. Oh, look, it's Rick and Morty float, which that'd be kind of cool. actually.
1: There goes Snoopy just kind of <laughs> floating through the streets. No people around to cheer him on or anything.
0: You know it' be the most depressing thing? Snoopy with a face mask or any uh, – th- <laughs> You know there's going to be – They're going to use some of these floats for PSAs. There's going to be N95 mask on Homer Simpson. There's going to be uh, – What are two – Oh, oh, here's one. Pepe Le Pew and Fefe Le Feu, but they're six feet apart. Like, she keeps Uh, her distance from Pepe Le Pew. The ultimate social distancer, Fefe Le Pew.
1: I didn't even know that that was the name of the cat until right now.
0: I think it is. I'd have to double-check that. But those are great cartoons. I actually, a couple weeks ago, went on YouTube just looking for old Looney Tunes
1: cartoons just for fun. There's nothing better than – I mean, I'll, I'll watch Pepe Le Pew. I'll watch Tweety Bird, Sylvester. I'll watch that stuff, Foghorn, Leghorn, whatever. When it comes to, for me, is, is Tom, Tom and Jerry is not... Uh,
0: they are not a Looney like Tune, G- but it's it's no, a great no. but, cartoon, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom and Jerry is one of my favorite, maybe my favorite. No, no, no. It's one of my favorite, because aside from that, the two that I always come back to is anything Bugs Bunny is in. Mm-hmm. And then even on top of that, the absolute pinnacle of comedy is uh, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. And we're, if Roadrunner. you
0: think about it, Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner merged with like the violence of that, merged with Tom and Jerry. That's itchy and scratchy. Just taken to the yeah. nth degree, which what's so weird is when I was younger, and I guess as a kid, it doesn't register, but I, the itchy and scratchy bits on The Simpsons were just okay. I find them funnier. The older I get, the funnier I find itchy and scratchy <laughs> cartoons. It's just blatant... Yeah violence for yeah. the sake of... like, There's nothing else except finding out how to mutilate poor Itchy.
1: <laughs> the one... What, what is it? For Scratchy. Um,
0: Scratchy's the cat, right?
1: Scratchy's the cat, oh, right. yeah. There, there's some that I just come back to. There's the one where Itchy is showing Scratchy the, the woman cat, but it's just made out of dynamite. <laughs> oh, yeah. So he just steps up to it, kisses it, and explodes. <laughs> and then the, the one that... I, one of my favorite ones is... Uh, it's like a James Bond spoof. So... Scratchy's laying down yes. and he's got to turn, turn off a laser. Yeah, he's got to turn off a laser, stove He sticks out his tongue and turns off the laser just unplugs in time it. before yeah. it comes. Uh, yeah, unplugs it. And he like takes a deep breath. <laughs> then Itchy just comes back and plugs it in and then it slices him on up.
0: Another great one is that I think uh, Itchy ties Scratchy's tongue to a brick and throws it out the window and all of his innards come out. Yeah. So, <laughs> he has to jump down. He has to jump down and he starts shoveling all of his insides back into his mouth. And he does. And he, I think he might even give a thumbs up to the camera. And then he just lands on a cactus.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. You know what's weird? Is it never registered until my dad told me. That that's a spoof of, uh, of Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Right. I mean, I mean, cause it's so Tom and Jerry's violence is, is, uh, Tom runs into a wall, uh, at full speed and then he bounces off and he, and he looks like a, like a sitting stool. Yeah. Or, or like, or like, um, he gets clapped with, uh, like two garbage cans and his head starts ringing back and forth mm-hmm. and it's flattened or something like that. With Tom and Jerry, it's literally, uh, or not Tom and Jerry. With uh, Itchy and Scratchy, it's literally Itchy takes out a shotgun, blasts Scratchy, and his <laughs> organs come flying out.
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> but, I'm thinking there's that, one that's literally like that.
0: There. What I love, too, is how Tom and Jerry, neither Tom nor Jerry talks. Or if they do, it's just little bits and pieces. They got high voices, right? It's the same with Itchy well, and Scratchy. Only
1: time, the only time... Uh, Tom ever talks is when he sings. That's right, yeah.
0: And for Itchy and Scratchy, for some reason, because they, again, rarely talk, they do the, maybe it's Itchy and Scratchy Land or something like that, but they talk about the history of it, and the first cartoon was Steamboat Itchy, and it's just him (laughs) whistling on that steamboat, and then the only thing he says is, Oh, me? Oh, my? And then he (laughs) just goes back to whistling. I don't know why that cracks me up, and then, of course, they, I think, reference the fact that um, kind of like Henry Ford, that the creator, Vichy and Scratchy, was like a Nazi sympathizer or something like that. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's uh, the Simpsons is something that even just still images of it make me smile. I sent you guys the Hans Molman, good mole man to you, yeah. Molman in the morning <laughs> image, or the image of Mr. Black, just looking you know yeah. and that, that's all i yeah. need is just that that alone and, and i'm in a better mood that's the simpsons for me it is a mood equalizer
1: there's there's there are certain images from that that especially been just turned into memes that maybe i wouldn't even have thought was funny back in the day but now the internet has just made them more funny one of them is uh crusty is sitting i think at wimbledon he's just <laughs> sitting there And he's watching and he has a bowl of like ice cream and he's just eating it going, Hmm, strawberries. And that's the meme. It says, don't be like a picture of strawberries. And then like someone picking them up and their face just looks like crusties in that instance where he's like eating that strawberry ice cream.
0: There's a few that I use where one of them would be if someone says something so ridiculously wrong, it's when Marge is talking to Patty and Selma outside And I forget what they say, but Homer just pokes his head out the window and he says, wrong, and he smashes himself in the face (laughs) of the plate. There's the one where they're, uh, I think this is, I forget which episode it is, but they have to call home and they have to call the power plant. And both Marge and Homer are late. And when Homer picks it up, he says, excuse me, I have to speak up, Homer. I'm wearing a towel, which doesn't make sense. And then finally, the one that I just saw, because Lon had tweeted out, that it was Andrew's 13th birthday last week. And he said, it's going to be a while before he gets on, but if any of you could send him a quick birthday message, I know he misses his friends and make him feel good. So I searched for Simpson's birthday gif. And this was an early episode where they go to a Chuck E. Cheese sort of place. And it's, you're the birthday, you're the birthday, you're the (laughs) birthday, boy or girl. (laughs) (laughs) And it's...
1: Oh my God. Yeah, man.
0: It's well, we could do the. We could honestly do a Simpsons podcast in the midst of this pandemic and I, I wouldn't get sick of it.
1: You oh, know, yeah, yeah. You- just, I mean, we, we could go, we could go season by season. I mean, we would have to then watch maybe the last 12 years, mm. but we could, yeah, that'd be tough. But we could go season by season and, um, and, and give a one season review. For the next 30 weeks. Yeah. Think about that. Now what Think I am. For the next half of year.
0: What I am listening to. Speaking of TV shows. Is there's a Talking Sopranos podcast. With. How many seasons. You got into like season four or five of it. Right. You got deep into it.
1: I got to I got to finish it. Because I. I watched it through. Uh, the guy from the Matrix. Who is the bad guy in the Matrix. Right. Yeah. Um, he, he's. He got off. So. That. That's. I'm a little bit past that. The
0: bad guy from The Matrix is in The, in the Sopranos? Hugo Weaving?
1: Not, 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 the, uh, not the. Oh, not the oh, CD oh, oh.
0: Joe Palatana. Yeah. Who played yeah. Ralphie. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ralphie, Ralphie. Okay, yeah. so season five. You're in season five. But uh, what? It's called Talking Sopranos. It's got uh, Christopher, Michael Imperioli, and it's got Bobby Bacala, uh, wow. Stephen Sharipa. So, back in, uh, this is around Christmas, I had followed Stephen Schurup. I just started following random Sopranos people on Twitter, and he followed me back. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, this is last week, and I'm like, well, wait, if he follows me, then I can send him a direct message. And they got a new podcast, Talking Sopranos. Maybe he wants to promote it to our wide listening base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And And I just reached out. So, yesterday, I'm you know get on twitter and i see oh i got a new message and it said uh let's see hey mike contact so-and-so at pr.com it's a pr company uh thanks and happy easter now even if i never get bobby Bacala on the show okay (laughs) the fact that i got a thanks happy easter from steven sharippa and it would be a podcast where for me i'd be over the moon maybe 10 percent of the listeners would be like oh yeah i love the sopranos and they'd be they'd want to listen to it but that—that uh, that is my celebrity. That This is my new Scott Brocious. This is who I'm going
1: after. <laughs> now, is Bob? Um, I'm I, Bobby Bacala, is he the one that's watching after Junior?
0: Yes. Yep, beginning in okay. season two. He is the guy that was a junior.
1: He is just... He's just I just see him as like a sad sap, his character. His character first is... First of all, yeah. I mean, because his, his wife dies, and then he has to deal with... Oh, my God. Janice. Who is... Yeah, the most deplorable woman In all of TV I thought that the mom was bad And that like you go through the first season Thinking the mom's just the worst character In the world and then the second season Comes about and then Janice Just makes the mom look like a saint
0: Oh yeah no Janice is awful
1: Oh my god So no, I'm I'm, I'm
0: hoping I'm already preparing questions for an interview That may never happen but I, I would have to get that interview right I would be over the moon if I had Bobby Bogle on the show Uh, Okay, well, I'll tell you what, Harry. That was a wide-ranging conversation, not very sporty, but that's okay, because I believe we had mentioned this last time, and I'm down with it if you guys are, when Trevor gets his Zoom figured out, is the last dance begins Sunday. Yes. So maybe going forward, I mean, you're usually available Monday mornings, right?
1: I'm available Monday, at least for the the near future, um, is I work Wednesday friday saturday i'm available mondays and who knows i mean we're, we're uh as, as as this goes on further and further i think they're talking there is talk of furloughs um i'm not sure if i'm included in that so um i will certainly be available mondays uh in the morning and aside from that i mean i probably Most days I'm available I guess is the bottom line
0: Cool well then what we could do And we'll check with Trevor about it But I think it'll work out where Monday mornings become for a sort of reaction podcast to it We talk about anything else that's going on in sports What limited things there are But uh, yeah we'll get that started uh, next Sunday Or I guess not next Sunday Six days from now Sunday is when that starts So I guess on Monday the 20th 420 We could could smoke (laughs) (laughs) We could smoke some reefer And talk some bulls man I don't have any reefer in the house though and uh, But, I you know, those pot stores, are the pot dispensaries are still open. It's an essential business.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like liquor stores, I, uh, essential. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't indulged since that became legal, partly because I don't really want to and partly because I don't know where to, I would even get it around here. I, uh, but the first time I saw stores open for it, get this, was when I was driving from Champaign to West Hartford. On that drive. I saw the uh, the stores, the the uh, the weed stores.
0: Yeah, and there there are still lines out the door for that. I mean, no better time than now to pick up a new habit, I guess. Uh, so, I guess so we will we'll get that going. We'll we'll confirm with Trevor and hopefully his Zoom issues are figured out by then. Uh, hope all is well otherwise. And I, I, for me, I got to be honest. I said this in the opening segment that for me, this is an outlet. It's a good way to just you know. I know it's not a very sporty podcast right now, but it's a good outlet to kind of come down and talk. And it's a lot more fun, though, to have a conversation. So, Harry, we'll, we'll keep these going. I appreciate your time. And uh, when's your next cheat day? Are you making that a Sunday tradition?
1: <laughs> uh, it's probably going to line up so that it will be on Sundays uh, next week. I put it on my on my. – I'm putting the plug out there again, at shirtlesschef.hb that is my food page right now i have 79 followers do not get offended when i don't follow you back <laughs> on that page i only follow other uh food and fitness things because i want to kind of get a certain you know group of people towards that page now if you follow my personal page of course i'll follow you back i'm not i'm not i'm not a, a you know bad person like that but next sunday is the next refeed day I have the pizza planned. I think I'm going to make some sandwiches the same way I used to make them when I worked over at Dish Passionate in Champagne, which is to say maybe some turkey, some cranberry mayonnaise, some provolone cheese, and some cream cheese on it. Um, And then, you know, just got to go with some waffles, French toast, uh, whatever, big carb, big carb meals. Fill me up with those carbs.
0: I think I'm just going to title this episode The Shirtless Chef. I mean, that's it. Yes. <laughs> I mean there's no sports yeah. topic I focused on enough to name a title for it, so I figure what the hell? We talked with the shirtless chef at shirtlesschef.hb.
1: Yes, It's that, a good that follow. Is it. And and uh, I'm uh <laughs> I, I I have no insight to the uh to the demographics of what the podcast what the listeners are and what they reach. That's you know, that's your field. Uh I'm not having big high hopes for this one. Not a lot of sports were taught.
0: <laughs> I, do, I do notice, and I know that everyone's feeling the crunch, but we are certainly not getting the numbers that we did like mid Big Ten basketball. Like that was. Yeah. And that, and that even showed the difference in excitement between football and basketball. When basketball's going here, that's when people are nuts. But, you know, this is something that I do notice, though. An episode from two weeks ago. We'll get more. There's a longevity because there's not as much timely material that we talk about. So, podcast from two weeks ago, a lot of that still applies because we've sort of been in this extended state of, you know, I don't even know what the word would be for that. It's like everyone's just sort of hanging out. So, even what we talked about today, we mentioned Easter. That's about the only thing that dates this podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's evergreen for, for, For lack of a better word, and um, for lack of a better reason, it is evergreen, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we will have more topical things to talk about next week. So, Harry, we'll stay in touch. We'll make a Monday morning tradition of it with The Last Dance as sort of a jumping-off point. And uh, in the meantime, have a good week, and stay safe. And at shirtlesschef.hb. It's a good follow. I enjoy it, and your uh, captions are always good. And why not any pictures of you shirtless, though?
1: Uh, I'm still building up the uh, the courage to do that.
0: Okay, well, I um,
1: I, I, um, I, I want to, you know, I, I have no shame in my body or anything like that, but still posting a a shirtless picture. I actually had one planned to uh, to take a picture because I took a, a video of myself. I'm proud of this. I was able to uh, get a progression up to doing one push pushups. Um, wow! But yeah, but and I was doing it shirtless. And I go down, and you can hear it. You can hear it. I put the the video, I put the camera up on the other side of the room so I can get my whole body in it. You can hear my back cracking on the way down and the way up. And then I switch arms, and it does it again. And then, like, at the top of each one, I'm just going, oh, God, (laughs) I hate this. (laughs) So I couldn't really post that one on my page. Uh, But but I I, I will try to get some kind of – I will get a, a shirtless video or picture up there eventually. Oh, excellent.
0: Well, I mean, listen, there's a yes. barefoot Contessa. There can be a shirtless chef. And there's enough of these. <laughs> there's Girl Meets Farm. I don't know if you watched that with Molly Yay. And there's, uh, the, there's like The Kitchen, which is their version of The View, but it's in a kitchen. Ah, Th- there's The Pioneer Woman. Don't Sleep. I mean, that's a pretty decent show, all things considered. And, of course, Trisha Yearwood her country kitchen or whatever. But I really do think I, that there would be a market for a shirtless chef on HGTV or food network.
1: Well, here's hoping because my top, uh, my, my best pieces of advice, or at least it all stemmed from one day I was cooking. Uh, my mom was visiting me up in, uh, in Champaign. It was, I started to slim down a little bit cause it was post football. And my first, this is the way it started. My first piece of advice to my mom when I was cooking uh, some, some food, I was like, I, I wasn't wearing a shirt. It just kind of came into my head. I said, shirtless chef's first piece of advice, never cook bacon with a shirt on. You got to feel alive. You got to feel the oil <laughs> splattering on your man boobs because I still did have a little bit of man boobs back then. So not the best like original reason to, uh, to be shirtless in the kitchen, but hey, it's stuck.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right, Harry, we will talk next week, all right?
1: All right, sounds good. All
0: right, take care, man. We'll see you. You too. All right, Harry Black, we will uh, be back later this week. So here's what we're going to do. And thank you. If you made it this far on the podcast, that means that you are okay with non-sportsy conversation. We do realize things are kind of, you know, we're bobbing and weaving through different topics. And certainly the biggest topic at hand is what's going on with just a day-to-day life sort of thing. So we are still a sports podcast. We will be having guests on the show to feature Heavily on sports topics One uh, person, Casey Boguslaw We will talk with him about baseball We'll get something lined up with Casey in the next few weeks I'm going to reach out to my uh, old friend Lante. We'll get Jeremy Warner on the show And a recurring thing that you can look forward to on Mondays And Trevor will, I'm sure, get this technology figured out Is me, Trevor, Harry coming on Talking about The Last Dance And we'll do that, I guess that'd be five straight Mondays That we'd come on the day after The Last Dance airs Sunday evenings on ABC, ESPN going to be one of the two, but at least that gives us some sports fodder to talk about. Also, got to think, and I have no inside information on this or anything, but I got to think that there's going to be some sort of news or update on IO at some point. I'm ready for an emergency podcast. It's going to have to probably pull the trigger on that sometime, and I'll be home where I can do that. But there will be a lot of news along the way. So, hey, again, if you made it this far, thanks for indulging us in some conversations. Sometimes it's just helpful to talk, and I appreciate... Harry's Conversation anytime, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that as well. All right, got to thank DP Doe online at DPDO.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com, coupon code THE200LEVEL, and State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com, Alana inquire. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, and all of you. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're staying safe and healthy, staying home whenever you can. We will get through this rather chilly week. Weather is a big mood equalizer for me. It's going to be cloudy and chilly this week. That sucks, but we'll get back to spring, and uh, I cannot wait to be outside as much as I possibly can, which is where I'm going to go outside right now, even though it ain't all that great. Have a good rest of your day, a good rest of your week. We will be back Wednesday or Thursday with a new podcast, and until then, we'll see you next time. It is the 200 level.